From the Ron McKeefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Horn talks to us about the importance of challenging yourself and trying things outside of your comfort zone, why you should surround yourself with individuals that care about you, your development, and that are willing to push you, and the reason why every person on staff needs areas that they can invest in and are responsible for. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Perch delivers velocity-based training, no strings attached. Perch was engineered at MIT and uses compact 3D cameras to monitor and manage weight room performance without being a distraction. Perch is a VBT built for the 21st century. Attach Perch to any weight rack in minutes. While you lift, Perch uses cameras to passively collect velocity and power data, output in real time, and store it in post-workout analysis. Perch is a revolutionary and innovative sports technology device that enhances workouts, reduces injuries, and saves time. Perch works with every level organization from the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, the military, D1 through high school, the private sector, and the home gym. Perch is portable, easy to install, and intuitive to use, making it ideal for every facility and every training goal. No more pre-workout setup, no more wearables, no more broken strings. Set Perch up once, optimize every rep, every set, and every training session. Train with increased precision and measure and manage your progress every step of the way. For exclusive deals and offers, head to perch.fit slash chalk. Again, that's perch.fit slash chalk to check out deals, exclusive offers, and see how Perch can help take your program to the next level. Join the thousands of coaches across the world that are part of Team Builder Nation. The incredible online strength and conditioning software provides a toolbox for features for all coaches at all levels. One awesome feature is the 1RM Max Tracker. Team Builder makes tracking maxes easy for any method since you can record and store max data, project 1RM over time, and use the stored maxes to determine prescribed weights for an exercise and have access to the visual reports so you can see the maxes over time. Other features include an updated messaging platform and the ability to create sports science questionnaires for athletes or clients to answer on their own phones That's right, that's sports science data in the palm of your hand. Start your free 14-day trial today by using the promo code CHALK, that's promo code C-H-A-L-K, and begin programming with the software built to fit any level strength coach in any setting. Team Builder prides itself on putting the customer first and offers affordable pricing with subscription plans starting at just $50 a month. For more information, on everything that Team Builder has to offer or schedule a 30-minute demo with Team Builder Expert, visit teambuilder.com and let them know Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 sent you. Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I'm joined by Coach Ryan Horn. He is currently the head strength and conditioning coach at Wichita State University. Prior to this, he was at 
KBR working with special operations strength conditioning. He's also had stops at Wake Forest University, Tulsa University, Virginia Commonwealth University, and Liberty University. Welcome back to the podcast, Coach. It's been a long time. I remember the first time we were on here with Ron McKeefrey. So time flies. I can't believe it was that long ago, but I'm grateful to join again. Definitely. And I appreciate you coming on. Can you tell us a little bit about your new role at Wichita State? Yeah, so we're just over a month right now, uh, except the position head strength conditioning coach at Wichita State University. Um, like with any job, you get your feet on the ground, you're drinking from a fire hose, you try to take it one bite at a time. Um, but we're in the process of doing that. We have a phenomenal staff here. We have phenomenal administrative support, great athletes. So it's a great position to be in for my family and our staff. And we're really excited about it. Yeah, definitely. And can you talk to us a little bit about what's it like to come into a new culture at a new university and being you know, the head strength coach and some of the do's and don'ts of what, how you go about establishing the culture and just seeing what's already established there and just building a program. Whenever you step into like a new situation, the first thing you have to remember is that everyone there has more experience in this environment and this culture. They've seen more things. They have a different vantage point. So it's easy sometimes to come in and, and want to change everything or want to look at your staff to kind of put your own twist and spin on things. And I think that comes one day at a time. There's plenty of stuff that's happening on a daily basis. Some of those things are working at a high level. You need to sustain those. There's areas that you need to improve. You need to find those areas and continue to lean on them and try to leverage those points to make your department better. But I think as soon as you step on campus, you need to be able to sit back. You need to be able to listen. You need to be able to lean on people that have been here. You need to have that information or that intel to, to drive your decision-making early on in that process. So I think it's easy to come in and try to control, to try to change difference always better. Uh, I've left other jobs. I've taken new jobs. The things that they're saying about me when I step on campus, you know, are the same things they're saying about the individual that took over our last job. So you, you got to make sure that you understand that it just takes a little bit each day to move that needle. You try not to get too high, too low, but just daily coming in, trying to find areas where you can make an impact. But early on for us, it's been about influencing athletes, influencing staff, administration, coaches. We're trying to build a department. We're trying to build a perception of the individuals we have in this program. So whenever I step into a new role, it's always people first. Um, that's where you start um, before programming, before anything, before products, before purchases, the people have to come first. Cause if you don't have that, those other things aren't going to operate at a high level. Definitely. And what's it like communicating with your new team, like the actual athletes and you know, they just had a previous strength coach or the new strength coach coming in and you might have some, you know, upperclassmen that have been there for a while. And, you know, they're always, I wouldn't say skeptical, but they're like, you know, Hey, like I've had, I've had success with doing this so far. What's different. It goes back to what we said earlier. Uh, you have to learn about the kid. You have to be able to connect with them so you can communicate with them. There's probably things that were done extremely well. There's probably areas that we can provide a different vantage point or a different perception to kind of look at it. But 
in reality, our roster that we have currently, we have a lot of new players. We have a lot of new individuals. Um, you know, this job in general is a relatively clean slate starting out. So it gives us a unique ability and challenge to build it within the vision that we have as a staff and then try to execute that. But I think early on, you have to build those relationships early. Um, you have to find a way to relate with the kids. You have to find a way to be clear, explicit with your standards and what you want to be able to hold yourself, your staff and your kids to. Um, people don't know what they don't know. So you have to meet them where they're at and try to figure out what have they done in the past? Uh, what do they do well? What are some areas that we need to work on? But I think a lot of times I see you may come into a new role and you start everyone off at block zero. There's individuals in that training group that have a higher training age. So you need to be able to assess and evaluate and then proceed. Um, there's individuals that need more time learning that may not have a high training age that may need more exposure to more fundamental things. Uh, but as a staff, we want to evaluate and assess these individuals daily. So we're putting them in the best position to be successful. And that's a lot of little things too. It's not just the training. It's when you show up for training, uh, what's your rhythm, what's your flow like? Do you have a routine? Um, are you putting your weights back? Are you filling out your card? Uh, are you throwing your trash away? Um, those are little things, but I think the culture in a sense provides this area as a privilege to not only our staff to get to train these kids, but it's also a privilege for our athletes to know that they have a chance to get better and to invest in the process, to invest in themselves. But early on, we make it very clear what our standards are and that this is their program. We're here to help and support you. And the only way we can help you is if you let us. And I think that's something that you don't command early. Uh, you collaborate them with them to get them in that position. Now, I think that's some great advice is collaborate, like work with it, let them know they're definitely a part of this as much as you are. And, um, and I think that's important. And what was it like to transition back into the collegiate setting? What was the primary driver? Cause I know a lot of strength coaches, especially in the last two or three years, they either transition out of strength conditioning or they're transitioning back into it, or they're just a different version of strength conditioning. So what was the primary driver to come back into the collegiate setting? Yeah, two years ago, you know, we were kind of at a crossroads. Um, we'd had some staff changes. Uh, COVID had just hit. Uh, so the, for the first time, you know, I'm having dinner every night with my family. I'm having breakfast. We're going for walks. Uh, those are things that I had not been able to do in the past, but those are also necessary things that it's not the profession's fault necessarily. I put myself in those places and made those decisions to be the first one in, to be the last one out, to guard my desk when there wasn't an athlete in sight, just to be seen and just to be present. I made those decisions, but during COVID, I had a chance to take a step back to zoom out. We had some staff changes and I was kind of at a crossroads with what I wanted to do personally, what I wanted to do professionally. And when the tactical environment became an option or an opportunity, I felt like it was a needed pivot and change, not only for me, but for our family, because it gave me an opportunity to, to serve and support um, some of the best individuals on the planet that earn that support and that help every day that may deserve it more than anyone. 
Um, so that was a very rewarding thing. It was a huge honor to be able to go to work every day and to work with those individuals and just try to find a way to help and influence them. Um, so I think that pivot just made sense at the time. Um, there's a lot of people that came out and said, are you afraid that you will never get back in? Are you going to get back in? What are you going to do? And I said, right now, this is what I'm doing. This is the biggest job I've ever had. Um, this, cause that's the job I currently have. Um, so we're going to immerse ourselves and throw ourselves into it. So I think it was scary in that sense because you spend 14, 15 years in one environment. I was basically starting over uh, with a white belt mentality, going into a role. No one knows who you are. No one knows really your credentials. No one knows where you've been. You're in a completely different environment using acronyms I've never heard, uh, doing training methodologies I haven't did in a long time. Uh, so you're basically every single day you're learning to connect. And I think in that environment, it's a great opportunity for coaches to continue to look at there's more opportunities than just sport. Uh, there's more opportunities than just collegiate athletics or high school or professional. You know, I'd really compare it to like high school. Um, so the tactical environment gives it coaches a chance to go make a difference, uh, to earn a living doing it to maybe have a work-life harmony or schedule that's more conducive to doing those things that you want to do. But on the flip side, the first year had really no itch or anything to really think about getting back in. Everything was going relatively smoothly. But as I continued to go, there wasn't an issue with the job or the issue with the role. There was more of an issue with me, my family, uh, everything we did, the fabric of our family was woven into collegiate athletics from what we did on a Tuesday night, going to a game to team dinners, to staff functions, to having that network in that community. My family missed that. And then I realized as well with my particular skill set, I have strengths, I have weaknesses just like anyone else. But I think that little hole in my heart, like I knew something was missing and it wasn't a negative with the previous role. I just know that this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what fits and suits me. And at that time, I was ready to make that decision, but I wasn't making that decision lightly. But this role that I've stepped into now that we've stepped into, I think is a unique challenge. And that's allowed me to continue to grow as a coach and a person. Yeah, no, I think that's. That's really good to hear, you know, a, a very well-established coach willing after, you know, like you said, 12, 14 years to be able to be like, Hey, I'm going to go try something new. And then also just listen to like your family and just listen to what, no matter what your decision is, you're taking into account everybody around you. And uh, that's, a, that's very important. And, and not to like interject, but. I think that decision too, because I've had people ask me, I've always been transparent. I've tried to be as genuine as I can with sharing everything, whether it's in conversation or if it's social media or in a podcast. But when we made this decision, I think this is important. When we started kind of exploring different opportunities, there wasn't a decision made. My son is 15 now. He's going to be 16 in August. He sat at the table and we worked through the pros and cons of what this meant for our family to go back into it. So this is the place. This is the job. My wife was involved. My daughter was involved. My son was involved. I was not going to make this decision 
if everyone was not on board. So for the first time in my career, this wasn't something that I just made or I ran by my wife and she's awesome. But also too, like every time we pick up and go somewhere, I'm going to be okay because I'm immersed into the culture that we're building, the training. Like I have that community. They're the ones that are kind of behind the scenes that sometimes they have a life too. They have friends, they have family. So like, I think that was a commitment that we made at the table to say, these are things if I go back in that I need to change. These are areas of our life that we need to take a vacation. Um, We need to spend more quality time or make quality time to sit at the dinner table during the week, to do stuff on the weekends, to bring our kids into work. Those are things that we made a commitment as a family that we need to do, which I think ultimately, hopefully will put us in a better you know, position um, to execute this at a high level, but also not lose out on some facet. No, definitely. And I, that's very important that you, you got your whole family involved. And like you said, it could be family, it could be friends. And uh, I, that's good that uh, they're all on board to go back out to, to Kansas. And then uh, what would you say is the biggest difference between, I imagine within athletics, there's some uniformities, but between Kansas and like the Carolinas or Virginia or wherever you're at, like what is a, what's the biggest thing you've had to adjust to when making your way to the Midwest? I mean, I knew you were at Tulsa for a little bit there. Yeah. So Tulsa was one of the biggest reasons, you know, my family, you know, really loved the Midwest. Um, You know, we really loved Tulsa. Um, I would say, you know, in this area in Kansas and in Wichita, we have a lot of individuals and families that we've coached with, with in the past. Um, you know, my son's, so my son's best friend isn't far from here. Uh, individuals that my wife has extremely close relationships and I do as well are extremely close to here. Um, this area just checked a lot of boxes in that sense. Um, you know, it's one of those deals that, we were in the Carolinas and we were in North Carolina, we were there for six and a half years. And my wife, my son, my daughter, they actually put roots down. And that was a really hard place to leave um, because my wife was so invested in the community. She had a job that she loved. My kids had a ton of friends. They were just really nested. And I think it's important because I picked them up. We made that decision to leave, but I realized after a year or two that they left a huge part of them there. Um, I was able to kind of like chase my passion and fulfill my purpose, but that was probably the first time because we were there for such a long period of time that I felt like I actually took something from them because we had to take another opportunity. So when we did this, made this decision, you know, the excitement of our family, you know, my personal excitement to get back in, that's a very, you know, rewarding feeling as a father um, to be able to put your family and as a husband to put your family in the position to be able to do that. No doubt. And uh, I think I saw one of your stories, you got a cornfield in your backyard. So you definitely know you're back yeah, in the, yeah, in the it's Midwest. Pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. You're back in the Midwest. I mean, you know, we have a barbecue. I got to see whose land it is, but if you can run back there, grab one of those bad boys oh, and throw yeah. it on the grill, that might not be a bad, uh, a bad deal for a, for a weekend barbecue, but no, it's great. Great people, great area. Uh, we're really happy about it. We'll be right back. Woodway is a company that has been designing and building treadmills and equipment for the long run since 1974. 
Each of their treadmills is designed with the revolutionary slat belt running surface, which is both lightweight and durable. It is specifically designed to absorb energy at the point of impact, eliminating harmful shocks to joints and connective tissues. 100% of the NFL, NBA, and MLB teams and 60% of NHL teams utilize Woodway products to optimize their training. Woodway's curved treadmill was released in 2009 and boasts a completely self-powered manual training experience that does not require any electricity. This unique piece of equipment allows athletes to run at any pace they choose and burn up to 30% more calories than the regular treadmill. Other unique offerings from Woodway include the Curve Trainer, Curve XL, Forefront, and Pro Treadmills. Each treadmill offers features that are fit for every athlete. The silent and energy efficient product from Woodway has resulted in 50% electricity savings for owners. If you're looking for equipment that is built to last and will improve and provide each of your athletes an experience like no other, check out Woodway today at woodway.com. Definitely. Now, you are got to be one of the few strength coaches that I've seen participate in like a triathlon or like actually like train. What would you say was the big motivation behind that? And because, I mean, it's a stereotype, but for the most part, like we are not endurance, like highly trained endurance athletes. But And I remember seeing you, you dragging, uh, coach Martinez out there and, and taking him with you. Uh, what was the, like, like, what was the why behind that? And then what did you learn by, you know, training to become a, an endurance athlete? I would not call myself an endurance athlete. I think if you did a physiological profile <laughs> of myself, I don't, I do not meet any of those requirements. Let's just say this. When I walk up to a start line, I take a look around not a lot of people look like me. So, you know, I kind of stand out like a sore thumb, which is good, but no, it, it was a growth opportunity. You know, I, I spent the majority of my life, my, you know, my, my brother was a bodybuilder. You know, I grew up in the weight room, you know, you played high school sports, collegiate football. I was a power lifter for a long period of time. And then I had some injuries and I wasn't able to do that at the level personally that I wanted to be able to do it at. And I struggled with that a lot. And I struggled with not finding an area to really challenge myself and then put myself out there. Um, it's, it's a hard deal when you know you're going to go struggle and you're going to suffer uh, and you're not going to be at the top of any pack or any group and you got to get yourself up to train every day. Those are the same things that we ask of our athletes every day. Um, those are the same things that I felt like it was time for me to be able to teach myself how to swim, uh, to run, which I never did for an extended period of time. The most running I had ever done was when we got, you know, behavior modification in practice and you had to go run and touch the fence or the pole. So I did not have a huge aerobic base, but I think we're all looking for ways to challenge ourselves, to put ourselves out there. I think that level of vulnerability and to put ourselves in those situations, I think for long-term growth, but also it just gave me something to pour myself into. And it, it ended up really working because when I transitioned to the tactical environment, we have guys that are doing ultra marathons. We have guys that are doing Ironmans. We have guys that have to be able to 
to run, to rock, to move. And that aerobic capability and that aerobic fitness is a huge part of that training um, to put them in a position to be successful. So luckily I got a head start on that. And I only continued to kind of widen my scope of practice during that two years, because I was able to program and to be curious, to try different things. And it really added, you know, to, you know, my ability, not only to program now for the student athletes that we support, but also for myself. So I think that was a huge thing because even that environment, we go for rides together. We would go to the pool, we'd go for runs and you're going to hop in there and do that stuff. And I think it was a great exposure and I think it only made me better, but as much as it hurt and as much as uh, I didn't enjoy a lot of that race, I think it was, I think it was huge, especially the first didn't really perform that well, kind of hit the wall. But that year was really important because my father had passed away right before that race. Uh, and I think that was a pivotal moment because, you know, one of the closest people I have in my life passes away um, to, you know, roughly six to eight weeks out from that race. And it gave me a really easy excuse to like back out. But I know my dad would not want me to do that. So, you know, I'm getting kind of choked up now just thinking about it. But, you know, seeing my family at the finish line, you know, it, it was it was really cool. That, that's great. And I think it's, it's always good for coaches to practice what they preach, whether it's like the triathlon or I know I talked to like Candace Walls and she goes boxing. She's like, I'm lining up against somebody across the ring, getting ready to knock my block off. So I think it's good that uh, you're able to challenged, you know, the status quo and, uh, it's, it's unique. You tef definitely see an obstacle and you tend to run straight towards it. And just like, let's just get this out of the way. And I think that's a good thing to take in as to practice what we preach. You know, you, like you said, you, we ask our athletes to do this stuff. So we might as well put ourselves through it. Now, you know, you have quite the ability to develop the younger strength coach, like the younger uh, coach making their way up and whether they go to Wofford or Iona, what would you say is it, and some advice to the younger coach that's been where we've been, you know, they're maybe a GA or part-time or even if they're full-time and they're just not making a lot of money or, or even if they're interning and they're working their way up through the ranks, what's some advice you'd have for them to get them through where they're at? That's always a very complex and interesting question because without the context, understanding who that individual is, you know, I, we've spoke a lot about the profession, the current state of the profession. You know, we lose individuals every day that can have a tremendous impact. And for whatever that reason is, we lose them. Um, it's a hard road sometimes in, in, in strength conditioning. There's a lot of capable coaches. There's a lot of quality coaches out there, but the field and profession in general is very saturated because there's really just not enough jobs at the level that people want to strive to get to because they want to provide for their families. They want to provide for themselves. There's not a lot of those opportunities. So as you're chasing that dream, there's a lot of speed bumps. There's a lot of walls and barriers just in a way. So I think with the young strength coach, you know, I've always taken opportunities. I've always taken 
you know, an unorthodox path, so to speak. Um, I think looking back, I talk to a lot of coaches now and they're like, well, I need to work with these certain sports. I need to work with this logo. I need to be at this place. And I remember, you know, my decision and where I went to do my graduate assistantship, it was one of the most valuable experiences in my career, but I really only had one opportunity. Uh, I stepped into that. I didn't have a network, didn't have a strength conditioning program in college that I could kind of attach myself to and be able to grow. So luckily Todd Hammer gave me a chance to be an intern. That internship led for me getting my one and only graduate assistant offer, which with Tim Contos, that turned out to be one of the most pivotal moments in my career because I had an individual I worked side by side with every day uh, that could manage me. Uh, that could allow me to fail forward, that could empower and educate and equip me with the tools I needed to be successful. So first and foremost, you have to surround yourself with people that are going to care about your progress. They're going to care about your ability to do great work in the profession. They're going to care about you. You mentioned Jason Martinez that's currently at Iona. You mentioned AJ Kerr. Um, that, that workforce at Wake Forest as well. Those are some of my best and closest friends. And we forge those relationships going to work together every day. Uh, but those are the type of people that step into a situation and make the best out of it, but continue to grow as a coach working on those trainable things. And when I surround myself with people, there's things you can coach and there's things you can't coach. Um, but I think like when you're trying to build your career or if you're trying to build a culture, the easiest way to push that culture forward and to solidify it is surrounding yourself and having the right people in that culture. Um, so I think for a young strength coach, you got to find individuals that are going to invest in you, that are going to challenge you, that are going to hold you accountable but also going to hold themselves accountable and they're going to help you along that path where you leave. And if they need to talk to you, you can provide insight. Um, I think that's a huge part of it where you're not necessarily telling these individuals what to do or telling them how to program. You're just trying to influence their decisions to give them the support they need to give them different perspectives or vantage points to look at certain situations and to put them in the best place to be successful. So my advice for any young coach is if you want to be the best coach you can be, you got to be the best version of yourself. Um, if you want to continue to develop your skill as a practitioner and hone in your craft, surround yourself with people that are doing the work that you want to do at the level that you want to do it at, and then listen to them, learn from them and push forward. I mean, it's a pretty simple equation, but it's sometimes it's hard to solve because it is a war of attrition at times because you had to dig your feet in and you got to work through it. I mean, there's no easy answer to that, but people first. No doubt. I think that's very important. And the, that the job of the mentor, the somebody that's there to help push you forward is a, it's a tough one and it's tough to find. But when you do find that person, I think it's really good that you stick to them and, and try to make the best of what it is. If you think about it too, and you've probably heard this, I've said it in the past and I probably heard it and stole it from somebody else as most good ideas are, but you know, as a mentor, it makes your job harder, not easier. If you're doing it correctly. Um, if you're lining interns up and graduate assistants and your assistants and you're having them, you know, obviously facility maintenance, um, there's, there's, 
responsibilities and jobs that we all have to do um, that we'd rather have someone else do. But just investing in that process is obviously going to be important, right? But when you bring people in and you're trying to mentor them, you're trying to help them, I think it's one as the mentee, you have to understand that we're in these positions. We're having this discussion right now on this podcast because someone invested and took a chance on us, period. There's no self-made coach because, especially in collegiate strength conditioning, because someone somewhere gave you the time and gave you the opportunity to chase your purpose and fulfill the goals that you have. And everybody has to do that, right? So in the mentor position, that should make your job harder. Uh, when you know a certain concept, you have to teach it and you have to explain it and then they have to do it. And they're going to make mistakes. They're going to be successful, but you have to put them in that position where you can challenge them, where you can hold them accountable. But also as a mentor, I learned just as much from people that I mentor, I have relationships with that they do for me. Um, you know, I bring people in the room. One practice that we have that's been highly valuable is after every session, before every session, each day, we sit down as a staff and we debrief the day. We go through each group. We have an open, honest conversation where ranks and titles and things like that are not involved. And we have an open discussion and you need to listen. And I think as a director or as in a position where you're trying to facilitate a department, if you don't listen to people, you don't take their advice or their input and they don't see a measurable application of that, you're going to be surrounded by people that don't say anything. So leaders that don't listen end up being surrounded by silence. And, and I think that's a place that no coach wants to be in because now we're limited. So when you want to call the shots, you want to control the training process instead of making it a collaborative one, you're not only limiting yourself, but you're limiting your athletes. Because if we have three to four to five coaches in a room, I'll take five ideas. I'll take five conversations before I'll take the one that's just happening inside my head at any given time. So I think like people need to earn responsibility within a program, but they also need to have areas where they can invest in, because I think that's something we haven't touched on, but I want to hit it now before I forget. I think as a staff, individuals need areas that they can invest in that they can own and that they can be accountable to because it not only prepares them for the job they have now, it prepares them for the next step. So whether it's at Wake Forest, it's at Wichita State, we want our coaches always coaching a level up. We want them to learn the job. What happens on the platform is what happens on the platform, what happens on the court or the field, but also what happens on carpet. How do you deal with job searches? How do you deal with interviews? How do you deal with administration? How do you speak to coaches? Um, how do you organize and, and schedule in those other parts of the job that we don't want our coaches to have to necessarily learn on the fly? We want to make sure they have exposure to those things. If you're using sports technology or sport technology and sports science, we need to have our individuals doing more than just washing the catapult bros or setting up the force plates. They actually need to use it and to make informed decisions off it. Because if not, we just have products. We don't have people that are actually equipped to use them at their next job. So they put it on their resume, but what did you actually use with it? 
Did they actually see what goes into facilitating the decisions we're making? Why did we program like this? Why are we training like this? Why are we talking to each individual athlete like this? How can we put ourselves ourselves in a better position to be successful? That's what we're trying to do as a staff. So from the top down, what do you want to achieve? Where do you want to be? I want to be here. Well, if you want to be there, let's make sure each job you take each opportunity you pursue, let's give you the tools you need to be successful. Not only here, just like you would with an athlete, they play college. They may want to go play professionally. If they do, we have to give them the tools they need, the habits, the rhythm, the routine they need here to also help them be successful at the next level or wherever the sport takes them. That's what we're trying to do. The Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 podcast is brought to you by Play. Listen in on a conversation with Play's Global Director of Performance and Education, Coach Mike Buley. Coach Buley describes the vision of how Play will continue to be the company that will propel the innovation of the strength and conditioning profession forward. Well, after 22 years of, of coaching, I've learned that connection trumps communication and that it's not enough for coaches to know that you care. And I think you got to take that step step further. They need to experience that you care. And I've always been a coach that tried to be more uh, transformational than transactional. And so with that awareness in mind too, I always enjoyed working and learning and talking to other people and and coaches and developing that camaraderie. I've always made myself available to the community because I remember how hard it was too to try to get a crack into this this profession. And and, uh, I promised myself if ever I was given a shot, I would never take advantage of that. I always allow myself to uh, help other people uh, chase their dreams in this profession. It's been very good to me. Play is a company that will help your strength conditioning program find solutions for all your needs. Review second best and check them out at play.us for more information. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being a strength coach is difficult. And someone once said on our podcast, we pour so much into helping our athletes become better but we forget who's pouring back into us to help us become better. Without a healthy mind, coaching on the floor, programming, and maintaining the juggling act that we call life can be difficult. The good news is the therapists at BetterHelp are here to help you. Therapy can be whatever we want it to be. Maybe you need the tools to help you keep motivated, or maybe you're feeling burnt out from long days in the weight room, or you just need someone to talk to. BetterHelp is a customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist at a time that works for you. We have a very busy schedule as a strength coach, and the last thing we need to do is be driving to an office and sitting in a waiting room. Simply log into your account and message or speak to your therapist from anywhere at a time that works for you. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. BetterHelp also assesses your needs and will match you with one of over 20,000 therapists in their network. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself and make your mind your best asset. We train to keep our bodies strong and resilient. Now it's time to invest in our mental health too. And as a special offer to Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 listeners, you can get 10% off your month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash chalk. That's betterhelp.com slash chalk. 
And thanks again for BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.